This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Hey, guys, what's happening? Welcome to the show. Welcome back. Yes, I'm still wearing a pink pocket poof. And yes, it's still very exciting, but not as exciting as what we are covering today on the show, which is Sunshine, one of my favorite films of all time. You may remember this was on the eight movies we could never cover on AMA segment two years ago. We're covering it today. F that episode. See you guys in just one second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's action movie anatomy. Oh, she's got the music and everything. I almost didn't unbutton my jacket. I think they caught me unbuttoning my jacket as I was spinning and pointing. So I actually recently listened to uh, the Training Day episode of the Rewatchables podcast, which is really funny because the Rewatchables is a one movie per show, hour long right. show they do on The Ringer. It's very reminiscent of our show. It has a lot of the same sort of feelings. They do a lot of the same kind of games. And listening to them talk about Training Day, it was funny because it just felt so similar to our approach right. that, that, to that show. And and uh, I was laughing about the fact that like that episode's been one of the most important episodes we've ever done because it's, it's it, given it us is, our intro music. And it, we changed it everywhere. Yeah. We, Still Dre became Team Action, yeah. the action guys, Action Movie Anatomy, and just you and I living our lives being happy when the song comes on. We had done, at that point, what, two episodes of AMA? Or of uh, Schmodown? I know our first one we came out. I was out like, the, I'm pretty sure we've done more than two at that point. We had come out the first time to Danger Zone. And the second time was Take My Breath Away because we were doing the cruise thing. Is that when we came out with our mothers? Yeah. I think the third episode would have would have been It was like a really weird song choice to come out with our mothers yeah. to Take My Breath Away. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 do you remember Ellis says it? Yeah. He's like, this is the song that Tom Cruise and Kelly McGillis make out. This is weird. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, anyway, guys, we're back. We're here. We're talking, at, talking action movies on the show. This is Action Movie Anatomy on the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network dedicated to talking movies and all things movie-related as well as pop culture by the bucketful. I'm Ben Bateman. That's Andrew Guy. Oh. This is Sunshine. Mm. Boom. So we said we were never going to cover this movie, which does make a lot of sense because in the earlier stages of the show, this would actually be a movie we cannot cover. It's a secret message. I'm just yeah. passing to Ben there on my phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but as you guys know from our episode last week, and actually we're only about 30 minutes later from that episode because we're in the future right now. Or we're in the past right now. Yeah, we're... Uh... <laughs> I like how I always say the same thing. I can't ever decide what to call it. Yeah, right, because it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. It's time travel. It's like science fiction. It is. It's like The Time Traveler's Wife, but better. Yeah. Did you ever see that film? Uh, I'm pretty sure I did. Wait, The Time Traveler's Wife? Yeah, that's a movie. That's the one with Banna, right? Right. That's not The Astronaut's Wife. Uh Uh-uh. Nope. The 13th Floor. Those are two different professions. The 13th Floor. 13th Floor. Gattaca? Gattaca. (laughs) Gattaca. Contact. That movie's bad. Gattaca's real bad. Never watched it. Watched it in my biology class in high school. Huh. It was really weird. Did you ever see Contact? Uh, dude, I forgot to say on our Fight Club episode that yeah. my ninth grade theater teacher showed that to us in class. Gattaca? Fight Club. Oh, really? And she forgot about the Marla Singer and Tyler Durden sex scenes that go oh. on for like uh, five minutes, like yes. graphic and loud and like all the <laughs> condoms in the toilet and all that. I remember her face like turning blood red, but <laughs> I remember the first time I ever saw Fight Club was in theater class. Unbelievable. And it blew our minds. Uh, speaking of Fight Club, we'll get back to it in just a second. Yeah. There's some cool stuff to talk about there. Absolutely. Um, but, guys, this is Action Movie Academy. We cover action movies on the show. Those rules, those movies adhere to four basic rules. Number one, the hero always plays by their own rules. 
Eh, who's the hero of this movie? Yeah, it's tough. It's 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 they're, they're an ensemble hero cast. Is it Kappa? Kappa. I think it, I think the hero is actually probably Rose Brynn. Burn. Is it Brynn? Burn. Or Burn. Burn. Which one is it, Marissa? Rose Brynn, Rose Burn. Fuck my life. Rose. What's that? <laughs> it says Brynn here on the on the outline. What's that spelled? But it was created by you, so. It's how it was spelled <laughs> online. <laughs> Uh, so that's uh, I don't know who the hero is World number two the hero and the villain are always the smartest people beings things dinosaurs would have you in the room I mean again it's it's not really the traditional formula because like what's his name is he's, he's like Searle the... you know what I mean I'm talking about the villain what's oh. it like Pinbacker or what, I think is his name Pinbacker yeah, 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 yeah the guy yeah. whose skin gets ripped off yeah um, I think he's kind of the smartest guy in the room sort of because he like sneaks onto their ship and he like gets them to come back to his ship he, he's like able to survive and create his mission like he's definitely the smartest person probably in the whole film yeah but i don't think like in some ways chris evans is like smarter than kappa in some ways like kaneda is smarter like there it, there's not really a smartest guy in the room hero i don't Wait, think i'm so. an idiot it's killian and rose at the end of the movie yeah yeah i don't know why i said evans earlier anyway um but yeah yeah so that's that's the thing where it's like it doesn't feel like they're the smartest people. It just feels like they're just like trying to accomplish a mission. Yeah. You know? Exactly. So rule number three of the movie is driven by a police, military, political, or mercenary figure. They're political. They work for the government. That's why they're up on this ship. This That's the, fair. They're Earth's last best hope. And there's definitely um, explosions in this movie. Yeah, definitely. There's a movie, rule number four of the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. So those are the general rules of action movie anatomy. We love this movie. It's a movie that I think when you and I met, there was like a handful that we both really, really adored. And well, we, this was one of them. Yeah, we, you and I both really love Danny Boyle, but we actually have a lot of things to say about Danny Boyle as well. It's kind of a conversations come up quite a bit in our friendship because i adore 28 days later and sunshine so much yeah he's i think he's we'll have a whole conversation about him as we get further into the show here about uh overly under properly rated with him uh, but we'll get to that in a second i do want to give a quick patreon shout out to rajko Kerm- kermanek i love putting those in there every time i get to put one in there that's brutal i'm always like i can't wait to rajko kermanek <laughs> and justin munn uh Boom! We, we salute, salute you, you, gentlemen. You're in the action army. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, coming up today on the show. We are going to be talking about Overly Siege, Underly Siege, Properly Siege, Danny Boyle. We're going to be talking about the top five Alex Garland films directed or written by, mm-hmm. um, as well as all of the other fun games you've come to know and love, like Thesis Statement and Fist Pump Moment. So, without further ado, I is there anything else I'm missing that's really important? Um, yeah, I mean, I think we should just talk about a small announcement really quickly yep. we got a we got a great new show coming on the collider network the yes. first episode aired last friday on hunter yes. killer essentially us just talking about jerry b and tomorrow's episode is on nolan and fincher we decide who's the better director and danny boyle just missed for us for a reason because last week on the show we did da- uh, david fincher's film fight club yes. and so with that conversation in mind we were thinking a really fun conversation here is you know with the dragon tattoo film coming out it's not directed by fincher but the original one was or the american one anyway yeah uh, and then you know this this sci-fi film sunshine this feels like a movie that could have been done by either of these directors 100 percent. this feels like a movie that either one of them would make and Danny Boyle is in their class in terms of the years he was making movies and the kind of movies he was making. He's a and little older, but uh, it's around the same, and it's the same types of movies. And up until, honestly, like what felt like this crazy resurgence of Fincher and the big movies that he made from like 2008 on, right? Isn't that? Yep. Or, yeah. Yep. And then, obviously, Nolan and just hit the run that he's had, period. Danny Boyle really fell by the wayside. It's also the only one of the three of them that's ever won Best Director. Which is crazy, and I love Slumdog Millionaire. As do I. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited to talk about that. And, and you guys, uh, on that Collider um, Podcast Network, the action guys will be on there. And you have a match against Clark Wolf coming up. Yes, 
Yes, I do have a match against Clark Wolf coming up. Uh, that's in when the context of this being taped. How can we not? We can talk about that. We can talk about. It. I cleared with Christian. You we can announce that you are announced to play Clark Wolf. I'm playing Clark Wolf. And okay. that's all we can say about Great. it, really. Exciting. I think we should just steer away from it otherwise, right? I think let's stay right? away it's from always, it otherwise. It's always really scary. Yeah, so I'm the Clark Wolf. Uh, yeah, she's, Clark Wolf. She's very good. We've lost her before. God! The live event, that was a, that was a brutal, brutal, brutal loss. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton. Never never again to Giancarlo Stanton. <laughs> never but, again. But uh, I'll be playing Clark, so that's exciting coming up there. Be sure to check out the Movie Trivia Schmodown and uh, subscribe to the Collider Podcast's uh, YouTube channel as well as the Movie Talk uh, uh, what's it called? Podcast feed. Yeah, that's where you can find the action guys. Where Drew and I will be talking about all kinds of fun stuff. You can find a Twitter we have for this show and that show combined called at Team Action Show. And if you want to follow me, you can find me at Ben Bateman Media. Oh, you guys can find me at Andrew Guy. And once again, guys, with that new show, go like, comment, subscribe, download, do all the things because as long as you guys show love to it, it will be there forever, uh, <laughs> forever, <laughs> we'll be doing and it forever and ever. So, uh, without further ado, should we drop into the uh, trailer? Yeah, let's watch the trailer for Sunshine. Do you want to make fun of how I said all that? No. It's <laughs> not what I want to do. <laughs> I hate you. You know what I want to send a link frozen to Marissa for? Winter. What's that? Our mission. Uh, Reignite the the Liquor League speech from 2014 when I used this song. So good. Let's see if I can find it. It is right there. Draft speech. <laughs> I could find that, but you couldn't find an outline I wrote two weeks ago, huh? Yep. <laughs> you can just put that in that spreadsheet for me. Like, secretly actually annoys you. <laughs> <laughs> Song from Requiem. Oh, weird. They use this in here? Yeah. The visuals in this movie are unbelievable. Are amazing. Yeah. It's exciting. It is an action movie. It really is. Oh, it really is, especially with the third act. Yeah. Talked to someone about Requiem yesterday. Um, <clears throat> first time I'd ever seen it. I had to convince them that Ellen Bernstein lost to Julia Roberts, which mm. was a fun conversation for me to have. And also, I had the, the, the ongoing conversation of, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. I'll never watch it again. You still never will? Oh, no. So I, I watched like, movie like 20 oh. times. And it's a particularly beautiful day. You'll know we made it. But that's just what everyone else says. So sweet. Yeah, and I love that. It's a particularly beautiful day. You'll know we made it because it's all about the sun dying in the beginning. Yeah, it, yeah, it's so beautiful. I, I, I love this movie so much. There's a song that plays um, by a band called Underworld. It's yeah. called To Heal. It's a two-minute song, and it's the music that starts to play when the bomb is going off at the end there in that scene uh, it's that like it's like that synthy like yeah and it's like beautiful i listen to it sometimes on repeat uh and then there's also of course adagio in d minor which yes. is just like the greatest ever. incredible yeah. yeah incredible score john murphy it's just the best thing ever so um yes there is there's a lot of fun stuff to talk about today on the show that is the trailer it's a strong trailer not as strong as the film of course um this movie didn't do particularly well if this I movie did correctly. terribly it uh oh yeah this movie 
bombed. It was horrible. It opened like a few months earlier in uh, in the UK. Obviously, we'll get yeah. to a critical box office, but it was just like completely, completely overlooked by everybody. So the piece of music you're talking about, um, Adagio in D minor by John Murphy, is, is one of my all-time favorite songs. It's, uh, it's, been, it's been used in a lot of different films and trailers. Like mm -hmm. if you remember in the Wolverine Origins trailer, it's the piece of music they use for that. I and know who you are, Gambit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just like that. Yeah. Um, I love this song, and uh, Marissa, if you want to pull up, I sent... Yes, that's the song. Uh, ben sent you a link to a speech that he gave with this song in the background for our football yeah. liquor league draft. I scream it a few times, I'm it, pretty sure. It's funny, and I think if you want to pull that up, it's in your email, Marissa. You'll be able to find, uh, it's, it's not great audio, but I was playing this song in the background. This is 6 in the morning. All of us boys had gotten together to draft in fantasy football. I used to write these epic speeches. I would take lines from my favorite movies. You'll recognize a couple lines from The Rock in here. Yep, yep. And, uh, and I get Andrew to start screaming that he's we're, a man and he yep. came here to win. We're already about four shots deep. It's 6.30 a.m. <laughs> so good. This is amazing. I'm so glad you pulled this up. Can you kill the oh, no, uh, other the, YouTube uh, audio? Yeah, Marissa, if you kill the other audio because the music is actually in there. Oh. I'm in the green right there. Second in on the right. I'll see y'all in hell. Ah, it's horrible. There you go. This is my, this is my favorite line. It's <laughs> <He's> me, right? <laughs> oh my god, guys. Ben and I used to work in that bar for years and years and years, and I think the only reason we kept that job for the last few years was that, well, we couldn't pay our bills. And the other thing was that they allowed us to do a draft on Sundays before they opened. During football season, we can blacked convinced. out drunk by 10 a.m. It was a, it was a, such a peculiar experience to. I would get up at 4:30 and I would like pitch black. I would and I had like or catered food and like written a speech and you, had the you music. You were the and, only person that would look presentable too. You would show up in a suit yeah. and a tie and your hair was done always. Yeah. And, and we there we one year we even filmed it with like nine cameras, made like a documentary film about it. We the editor spent hours and hours of his life. Never did anything with it. It's wonderful though. <laughs> I've watched it a couple times. It's it's funny. So anyway, that what song are we talking was about used. Today? Yeah, <laughs> sunshine. So anyway, back 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 to the show, guys. Uh, so the first thing we do on the show, if we watch the trailer, is we do something called thesis statement. It's uh, it's a moment where we share the biggest, boldest thought we have about this film. The thing that this movie makes you think of that is the only, the first, the last, the best, uh, and it should never be loose. It should always be so almost like rooted in hyperbole. I'm gonna jump in first with mine. Yeah, I just want to say really quickly, our fans are going to die over that video. Oh, you think so? That will be like one of the biggest moments of FOMO in their whole lives. Fear of missing out. Yes, I know what it means. Are you sure you know what it means? There's a song man? by Adam Levine called FOMO. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's actually maybe a. Uh, I think it's actually maybe a Lonely Island song featuring Adam Levine because it's funny. <clears throat> I think we're sponsored by Red Bull now. By the way, we are. Yeah. We are. We're sponsored by Red Bull. Sugar-free Red Bull. Find these at your local store. Nice. <laughs> nice live read. <laughs> Professional. Um, <laughs> right, go, go with your thesis. Uh, the beginning of the speech is a little wonky because we're switching between audios, but th I think that's still funny and people will enjoy it. So. You're so upset that it yeah. is. <laughs> we can watch it again. Do you want to play it again? I don't want okay, to. Okay, good. Uh, so we're going to talk about thesis statements. My first, my, my thesis statement I'm going to jump in with is uh, Rose Byrne 
Bryn, is the most irrelevant, super famous actress working today. So true. She's, she's like just in everything. Epically famous. She's in tons of shit. She's in big franchises. She plays Moira McTaggart in the X-Men franchise. And she's really good in it. She's incredible in Spy. She's opening in a movie. Oh, my God. She's wonderful in Spy. She's in a movie that's opening with Wahlberg as his wife this last week called Instant Family. Or maybe it's opening this week. She was right. in She was in Neighbors, Neighbors as the wife. Troy. She was the beautiful young she's whatever. In, yeah. She's in Troy. She's Bridesmaids. This, yeah, massive, massive, massive actress. She's like a straight up fully completely totally a-lister who like most people if you were to say rose like if you went into a bar and you said i don't know take like trying to somebody who's less famous in my opinion but but okay like let's say you walked into a bar and you said kristen wig and you said roseburn there's no question the entire bar would know who kristen wig is because right she's very famous in 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 like her actual accomplishments compared to roseburn's not even close it's a joke not even close is roseburn's a, a straight joke. movie star compared to she's Kristen. a straight movie star that has been a movie star didn't she get famous from a tv show that was uh like a or am i thinking of someone else yeah, she's she's like back in the day she's in like wicker park i think I yeah say. she's like yeah wicker park troy the tenants mary antoinette dead girl sunshine but I, I thought i mean i know she was obviously on tv shows everyone's on tv shows but must be mistaken um are you a big rose Byrne fan marissa serafini who is up in the booth how you doing as marissa? always I am. I approve of all of her films. She's funny. She can do dramatic. She can do comedy. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I always look forward to whatever movie she's in. Sometimes I go to the movies just because she's in it. And she's all, exactly. She's always good. She is literally an A-list superstar who has been in massive films, who has never done anything wrong in the public eye. She's never really gotten her due. Like, I think what it is with her is that if, for instance, we found out next year that there was a movie... It was a festival movie with like a really meaty lead role. Yeah, and we found out that she was going to get nominated for best actress because she was unbelievable. We'd be in it. so happy for her. And it would also be damages. Like, I was right. Damages. That show that with Glenn show? Close. That was the one that really made her popular. And if she was to get that nomination for best actress and even win next year, like mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. Would you? Like, no, of course not. You would be like, oh, of course. Of All course. of a sudden, she'd be Finally. super famous. And she'll, and the, but you know, because the only other person that's like that is like Michelle Williams. Yeah. But it's only over the last few years that people have started to really recognize like how great she truly is. Yeah. Even though people have always known Michelle Williams is a wonderful actress. Totally. It's just one of those things. I, I love that thesis. I couldn't agree with you more. Mine is a little more negative, unfortunately, and that's that I think Danny Boyle might be the best director who is the worst at directing third acts. Oh yeah, his, I mean, you know how I feel about the Alex Garland scripts. They're they're I, they're bad. They're like, I hate those endings. They they just ruin the movies for me. And like, you can blame it on Alex Garland, obviously, because he's the writer. That's yeah. who you want to blame for it. But it's also Danny Boyle and Garland have partnered together so many times. Yeah. That like, you think Danny might kind of be like, yo, maybe we reel it in a little bit, bro, because. The end of Sunshine's cool and all, but no one really likes it. And the end of yeah. Twenty Eight Days Later is great, but it barely even works. The end of the beach is ludicrous. Yeah, you know, it's like these totally. type of things. It's a total bummer, and that legitimately, the third acts is why he's not in that Nolan Fincher conversation that we had because Nolan has that moment of third acts falling apart in like the Dark Knight films, which sucks. But you look at the other movies like yeah. Memento and Inception and Interstellar, and those third acts are some of the best parts. Yeah. Although I think most people hate the Interstellar third act. I know, but you and I love it now. Yeah, so (laughs) I I truly believe that he is the greatest director who is the worst at finishing his films, essentially. And and I think that is why he will never go down as as like he will always be remembered as one of the great directors because of things like Slumdog. Slumdog is like the most perfect example of a film, but it's also not a Danny Boyle style film. He also like 
<clears throat> so talking about all the great directors of our time, like if you go over, you know, let's say Fincher and Nolan, because that's a conversation yeah. we're about to have on the show. Um, if you go over that whole list, it's like together they've got one or two movies each that are like misses, little subpar. Right. Following Panic Room, following. Yeah, there's a couple. Yeah. If you go through Danny Boyle's career, I'd say about half his movies are good, and about half his movies suck. Which is so because he can make such good movies. Like Train Spotting was so great. Why did he do Train Spotting too? Yeah, and like you, Life Less Ordinary, not very good. You look right. at like, I mean, I love Shallow Grave and Train Spotting. I love Twenty Eight Days Later. Beach is just okay. You it, know, for me, it's like Slumdog, Twenty Eight, and Sunshine. Trance is not not really very good like it's uh love this pen you know trans not really very good i do really like uh 127 hours i i, I love you mean 27 hours i love that moment. 127 hours <laughs> that'd be a funny movie to find a way to we do. should do this is the end on here wait is that what it called yeah, yeah. Well, would we do it here we could probably find oh, a way the action we could probably find sure. a way to feature it on the action guys more easily because it's definitely not an action movie i really love this pen um <laughs> though it is kind of an action comedy they have to like they have to like fight a demon and like some stuff happened last night that was really not chill. What does he say? What does he actually say? He's like that movie, Twenty Seven Hours. Or what, how does it? He, he's like, he's like, I. This is dead in my basement where I keep all of my uh, mementos from my favorite films. He's like, this and this, this and this. The and he's like, oh yeah, that's the thing from Twenty Seven Hours. He's like, one hundred twenty seven hours. <laughs> he corrects him. It's the end of the world. It's the best thing in the world. That movie's so that movie so is so good. So good. It is. It, it is. Did we see it together in the theaters? Or like, I don't think so. I just know that we've watched it together, and it's like one of the greatest films for us to watch together. Like the 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 Danny McBride getting out of the bathtub slow mo, walk down, yeah. wiping at the toilet seat with, with his, his shoe. shoe after he pissed all over it, <laughs> and then and then cooking. His cooking, it's just <laughs> Yeah, when he like, does the hands yeah. over the, like, so, it's literally all the food they have for the rest of their lives, and he's cooking it all for breakfast. He is wonderful in that film. That whole movie's great. It is very good. I would love to do that movie. Oh, we could do it. Finding a way. Finding a way. So, uh, anyway, back to the show, though. I think that's a great thesis. He, he is, and I think that dovetails nicely into a conversation about Danny Boyle, which is uh, overly sieged, underly sieged, properly sieged, because, you know, realistically, we're going to get to fist pump moment here in a second, but... You know, talking about his career, do you think that Danny Boyle is overly sieged, underly sieged, or properly sieged? Uh, do you want to go first? Or are, you a- are you asking me? I'm asking you. Well, I got to pull up his uh, filmography here okay. to really nice. actually like tell you how I feel about it. But I know all I, of his films by heart. I just actually to... shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard for me to say that he's he's underrated because yeah. he's won the Oscar, right? Right, and it's for a very very good movie. Yeah. Um, oh, Steve Jobs. You love that movie. I love Steve Jobs. Yeah. I, I think Danny Boyle's properly rated because, look, Steve Jobs, it, it's almost like he's getting better, too. Like Slumdog, 127 Hours, and Steve Jobs, I think, are three of the best movies he's ever made. And yeah. they're all the last, like, those are the last three that he's made, essentially. Before that, it's kind of like maybe it's that young movie maker in him that that makes those mistakes, but then it's like also Trainspotting 2 happens. So. I'm going to say that he's pr- properly rated because he gets jobs in 2015, he gets Transpotting 2 in 2017, and now he's working on an untitled project with Richard Curtis. Thing is, is that <clears throat> I want Danny Boyle to be coming out with 127 hours in four years. I want Slumdog Millionaire movies to come up again in three or four years. You know, like I want that caliber of movie to be made by this director. I just don't want him to be get, given like 10 cha- or like. You know what I mean? Like five chances in three years. You know, I want him to take his time and make a great movie, and and that's it. I don't want more out of him. I used to want more. I used to. If you asked me this question maybe five years ago, I'd be like, Danny Boyle's so underrated. He needs to be making more movies all the time. He was supposed to do the new Bond, and he dropped out. And like, oh yeah, 
And I was so excited for it. Yeah, he's he is a, a peculiar director whose style I feel lends itself well, like well enough to movies. But like he, for it to, for him to hit on like before looking at this list, if I had said to you true or false in 2011, Danny Boyle directed Frankenstein, starring Benedict Cumberbatch, would you have said yes or no? I would have said no. So would I. Yeah. I didn't, did. I, don't I didn't even know that was a movie. Neither did I. I like, forgot about it. It's got a 9.0 on IMDb. It's right here's the seventh greatest film out of the top 250. Just kidding, not that part. But it is a 9. Is it short? No. It's a, it's a, this is a real movie. It's a real movie, Jack. It's a real movie, Jack. Two hours and ten minutes. What the? F- oh, National Theater Live, Frankenstein. Is it a, it's a live version of a play. Oh, that's, that's what it is. Okay. That makes more sense. Okay. So We're idiots. Yeah, okay, never mind. Um, <clears throat> but... That aside, it's still one of those... Okay, okay so I, I feel like he's properly rated. I want him to be given big chances with great... I want him to be able to direct Sorkin in 2020 because he's still of that caliber of director. I think Danny Boyle's overrated. I knew it. I think Danny Boyle's overrated. <laughs> you say it, and, and I can't disagree. I think the reason that he's overrated is because if you take away the Oscar, he's not really in the conversation with the other guys. Those guys don't even have an Oscar. They have one nomination. He's got an Oscar win for best director. That's like, and it's a politics thing where his movies are well loved. He's a very well liked director. Like he's he makes movies that people enjoy, but like, it's he's not in the conversation with those guys. He makes too many bad movies. Trance isn't good. It's from a couple years ago. It sucks. Like he makes movies that I don't want to watch again a lot of the time. Like, There's no Saving Private Ryan 2 20 years later. No. Because that would be the dumbest thing to do. Why make Train Spotting again? It can never be as good as the first one. Yeah, it's like it's, there's something about he has like a he has his fascination on the kind of movies he likes to make. And, and his great movies are fantastic. They're so good. But he's not the guy that when he has a new movie coming out, he should be in the, well, Danny Boyle has a new movie coming out. It'll probably be a Best Picture nomination. I just don't understand why he makes those moves still because he does do steve jobs and then he takes two years to do another movie and it's train spotting too it's just like i, I don't know it, it's it, we talk about this all the time on the show it's the decision making as a director or as any creative artist it's it's, it's so imperative to the tra- trajectory of your career and just the decisions he's made throughout is the reason why he's just not in that conversation yeah yeah totally totally agree so uh all right moving on to the next bit of our show guys we're going to get into fist pump moment it's the moment where something happens in the movie you kind of look around you're like are you seeing this right now this is so awesome you start talking about this drunk at a party and like forget about it everyone gets hyped you start sweating you're so excited you're spilling your drink it's the same moment it's got to be and i talked to the guy who utters the line about this moment a few years ago oh did you you don't know that i interviewed cliff Cliff, curtis i just don't remember that you asked cliff about it oh no this yeah i know all about this yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i totally freaked Jesus, out about it because i because i loved that moment. yeah it's my favorite moment in the whole movie and we're both talking about what do you see canada we actually pulled the scene here i believe yeah if you could pull uh, that up marissa this is uh, my other thesis is that this is the most impactful scene in in all of danny boyle's career but it's like the eye dropping blood drop into brendan gleason and the baby crawling on the yeah. ceiling those are two gnarly moments from yeah. train spotting in 28 I also love this actor. Please, I can do this. It's, uh, it's, uh... Uh, I know his name. Uh, I'm trying to remember his name in, um, in Last Samurai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you? Ah, and the music starts. Oh, yeah. This is, this is the moment in this movie. It's the one. It's not even close. What do you see? Because Cliff Curtis is obsessed with the sun. What do you see? Tell me what you see, Cliff. 
he spends hours in the sun bay just staring at the sun. I, and I love like some of the stuff that's maybe like when he like changes the percentage uh, on the shield. Yep. It's yep. so much hotter. I also love when you see, like, the power of the sun, right? Wait, is this actually happening, or is this, like, some music video version that's adding it all together? No, this should be... This should be it, dude. Burns out the... Yeah. It's the... It's all the plants die. Because all the shields are going Yeah. I love the power of the sun. It's yeah. so scary. Yeah. Armageddon, all the movies do it. Yeah. Yep. Ah, oh, this is so oh. sick. He's turning and it's coming across. Oh, me. I love it. He's like, I'm gonna get incinerated. I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna look right at it. Canada, what do you see? What do you see? the fist bump of the movie that is has to be oh i've like got chills just from watching it's so magnificent so i told the story i want to say when we did this episode Crescendo. on the actual uh eight, eight movies we could never do show uh -huh. but um on, when i when i went into my local video store in 2008 or late 2007 charlie working there yep totally i love charlie and uh, uh they had a big like a real big tv like a 60 70 inch whatever and uh, it was they, had they just didn't have gotten, those in 2008. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they had like just gotten a Blu-ray player, and oh, this was that. one of the first Blu-rays that they got, and they were showing it on the screen to get people excited to buy Blu-rays. Yeah. And because it's like the the visuals in this movie are gorgeous, like the sun and the reflective panels and all that stuff. I remember watching it. Wow, this is an incredible looking movie. Um, it just was so clear. Yeah. And like oh, absolutely bright. That's so funny you say that because I worked in Blockbuster at the time when Blu-ray was coming out, and we would do that. We would like. We would get to pick movies. We'd have to ask our manager. We're like, yo, I know this movie is rated PG-13 because of this scene. Yeah. We can skip it. But think about it. If you walked in and you were watching The Matrix yeah. like on Blu-ray, you, you would want a Blu-ray player because you've never seen it. you guys were selling Blu-ray players, right? Yeah, we were selling Blu-ray players. So I remember people, uh, there was like a, a, a crime spree that went on. Oh, yeah. Because what happens is all the Blu-ray players were stacked behind the desk yeah. uh, near the exit. And someone figured out because blockbusters had those double exit doors for a reason right but they still didn't lock you just had to go through it entrance and exit someone started coming through the exits because they didn't have handles on the exit door so they figured out a way to open the exits and they came in and they started taking the blu-ray players, Blu players from behind the counter they sold like 50 of them in salem or in in, in oregon and they were like several hundred dollars oh, it was a huge deal yeah like huge deal. deal we picked up security they started to all get like yeah it was, it was loss, crazy loss prevention department they hired you to tackle people on their way out exactly yeah, yeah. for <laughs> blu-ray players which are 40 dollars now 
Uh, that's hilarious. So I'm um, getting into where these guys were at. And you gotta get like a phone now that has a Blu-ray player built in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got a projector on it. You can stream whatever you want. Um, getting into where these guys were at in their career, you got Killian Murphy here who uh, did Red Eye in 2005, mm. and then he did Breakfast on Pluto in 2005, and then he did The Wind That Shakes the Barley in 2006, which, like... The Wind That Shakes the Barley. The Barley. Ger- Gerard, Jared Butler passed on that. He was busy doing the Orchard Tree or whatever. The <laughs> Cherry Orchard. The cherry Orchard. Um, Dear <clears throat> Frankie. Dear Frankie. <laughs> Killian Murphy is kind of an anomaly. We've talked about him a good amount on this show. We talked about him with 28 Days Later. His career looked like for a second that he was going to have this like really great career. It looked like he looked like he was kind of a, a little bit of like a Jim Caviezel clone for a second. And he was this like real slight guy. And then people loved him. And he was great as Scarecrow. And he's good in Red Eye. He's creepy. He's a good actor. He's one of those guys who continues to be in good movies. And he's had the virtue of working with Nolan a bunch of times. And yep. that keeps him relevant. But he's just... Not really a star. That's such a good point. If it wasn't for Nolan, Killian just wouldn't exist anymore. He is like the he is the Michael Bean. Yeah, of, of James of to Nolan. James Cameron. Yeah. yeah, that's so true. Because like, if he wasn't the Scarecrow, he would have just been forgotten about. And then the fact that he was placed in Dunkirk as the the soldier again, it's and all Inception. just because Nolan loves him. And Inception, yeah. all those things. I, I really like him. Yeah, I understand why he doesn't have movie star charisma. We've talked about it. Yeah, he's like he just. I mean, this movie he's like kind of supposed to be. He's supposed to kind of be like the action hero in this movie a little bit, and he doesn't really. And it, it Chris Evans, which is funny. And Marissa, thank you so much for pulling this image of of him. Is I actually wrote down Evans because I remembered that Evans was like kind of more interesting to me. Yeah. Than Killian, even though he was the lead. Um. <clears throat> so. I like where he's at in his career. Do you do you want more or less of him, or are you just fine? Fine with him. Yeah. If he's in a movie, I like him. He's I have a positive association with him because of the good movies he's been in. I'll see things he's in. He doesn't sell me on a movie. Like Chris Evans sells me on a movie right now. Oh, for he's sure. He's in a movie. Like I'm in. And he was, and he was really good in Dunkirk. Yeah, but it was just yeah, so weird. And then you got Rose Rose Byrne here on the other side. You got the Tenants in 2005, Mary, Marie Antoinette with Kirsten Dunst. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, in 2006, and then The Dead Girl in 2006. Yeah, Marie Antoinette was the follow-up to Sofia Coppola's mass hit, Lost in Translation. This oh, was her next movie right. she made. I remember that. I remember the cover's all so yeah, like, colorful. Yeah, it's all beautiful. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, very, like, Victorian-looking. So, yeah, I mean, these guys, I mean, this, <clears throat> this movie came and went for most people. This is the movie that he makes before Slumdog, and, and even that movie should have come and gone for most people, but it got picked up by the festival circuit and became, like... Is that why? Is that why? It's because <clears throat> we've talked about these two people and, like, how much they're just overlooked by Hollywood. That's why this movie didn't make any money. I mean, no this movie didn't have any stars in and it. Rose Byrne movie. So, I mean, uh, Hiroki Sanada, I just said his name. Yeah, Cliff Curtis. Cliff Curtis. Like, Chris Evans is a nobody at this point. Yeah, I mean, close <clears> to. <throat> he's probably the biggest star in this movie when they make it because he had been Human Torch for a few years. Like, it had failed out. but he Yeah, because he because he just came off of Fantastic Four. I want to say, like, not another teen movie. I want to say Fantastic Four 1 and 2 or, like, 2005 and 2007 does that sound right 2005 is the first one for sure the second one's gonna be 07 the second one's the same year as this it's gotta be right around there yeah so he definitely is the most famous person for sure Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <clears throat> is in London yeah he's just so yeah what, what an interesting movie so uh, m- moving on to the people that made the film this is written by Alex Garland directed by Danny Boyle we talked a lot about Boyle already. Alex Garland, for those of you that don't know, Alex Garland's a writer. Uh, he wrote the novel The Beach as well as the screenplay for The Beach, yes. directed by Danny Boyle. He also wrote the screenplay for both Sunshine and 28 Days Later, so there's a pattern to the way that he writes his stories. He's kind of obsessed with uh, science fiction and, and fantastical stories, right. but he tends to take them in a very uh, like crazy ending direction. I mean, if you think about the ending of Annihilation, it's got kind of a similar feel to so it. So crazy. 
the ending of Annihilation is super strange. The ending of Ex Machina is also kind of the exact super same weird, thing. Right? Like the, the robots are just out in the world. Well, and also and the, action, dies, the action sequence. Right? The, she goes crazy and starts <laughs> running through the... It's like an action sequence. Yeah. He, that's what he... He likes to end he his movies... He loves to end on these crazy-ass, like, crescendos of action that don't really make sense. They don't, like, match the feeling of the movie or something. And so that's, like, that's yeah. definitely an Alex Garland thing. And so we wanted to uh, talk a little bit about... The films that he wrote and directed. So he wrote the screenplay for 28 Days Later, Sunshine, Never Let Me Go in 2010, Dread in 2012. Uh, his directorial debut was Ex Machina, which a lot of people really love. Yep. And then he also did this this last year's film. Annihilation. Uh, yeah, Annihilation. And he wrote and directed, yeah. Well, and it's... It sucks because you you know I loved Annihilation. Loved it. I, f- I I thought it was visually stunning. I thought it was very interesting. The ending was so fucking weird that I was actually pretty in on it. I actually yeah. liked the way it ended. Um, Ex Machina, I, I didn't like as much as everyone did. I liked it. I really liked it. I, I really I I thought it was I didn't fine. Love it. Though, yeah. yeah. And a lot of people really adored that movie. So like, didn't you audition for the role of? <laughs> I wish. Oscars. I hate him. So for me, it's like <clears throat> it, it's kind of a no brainer for me when yeah. it comes to Alex Garland. It just goes. For me, it goes 28 days later, Yeah, I think Annihilation, and then I think Sunshine. I think that's just what it is for me. That's your top three? Yeah, like I, I really like Ex Machina, but I, I could live without it, whereas those three movies I don't really want to live without. And like, The Beach isn't a good movie. Yeah. yeah. It's just, I don't Not, like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I go, I go uh, Sunshine 1. Okay. I go 28 days later 2. I go Ex Machina 3. I'm surprised that you have Ex Machina 4. that low. Um, I really like that movie. I think it's great. I I like Twenty Eight Days Later more. It's a more impactful movie. It has like it has iconic scenes that I like always remember having seen, and and I want to continue to remember. Sunshine for me is the movie I've watched the most by far. Is I, like, there a reason why you like <clears throat> Sunshine more than Twenty Eight? Is it just because of the, the the third act, or is it because the horror aspect? Sunshine's a more interesting movie to me. Yeah. I think the things that make Twenty Eight Days Later great are like. I'm a big I'm like a big fan of the type of zombies. They're really scary. I love Brendan Gleeson in that movie and his relationship to his daughter. Like it has a couple scenes that I really, really like. I'm not a big fan of the ending. I also find that movie to be like just like less interesting. I don't know. Like it's way harder to make Sunshine interesting than it is to make Twenty Eight Days Later interesting. What are the best space movies that have come out recently? I, I just wrote down Life, Gravity, Interstellar, The Martian. Yeah, so I mean if, if we're talking the last decade ish Sunshine. Um other like big sci-fi movies, space movies. It's okay, uh, we can't think of any more. I'm just the the point though <clears throat> that I'm bringing this up is that like Prometheus is pretty cool, but it's not as good as the others. Yeah, all of these movies are not. They are they are happy with being focused on just the space. Arrival's like, not really a space movie. No, not really because it's, it's all on yeah. Earth. But like The Martian, Interstellar, Gravity, and Life, all are focused on the elements of space. Whereas what happens with these movies that Alex Garland does, or like Sunshine, for instance, is you go up there and you've got enough. We're yeah. trying to restart the sun to save humanity. That's yeah. enough for me. Yep. I don't need this this like shooter stabber slasher film in the third act. Yeah, I, he's just there's some there's some <clears throat> aspect of him that, that he wants there to be action. He wants there to be some pulse pounding aspect of his movie that that he needs, and and that's that's how mm. he does it. So uh, yeah, I think I think we can both pretty much agree that our top three my my top three definitely is is Sunshine 28, Ex Machina, and then Annihilation 4. And I love Annihilation. I think the visuals in Annihilation are really, really cool. The ending is just too so strange weird. for me. It's so weird. And it kind of it doesn't ruin the movie, but it makes it feel way less cohesive. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> some of the horror aspects of that movie are awesome. Like the creatures they create, the colors, the like. Colors. When he cuts his stomach open, oh you my see God, him the cut thing it, living inside. And the tentacles are inside the stomach. That's a crazy moment. Tessa Thompson just vanishing is, yeah. like, beautiful. The crocodile. There's so much about it that's so cool. But, you know, 
kind of kind of still missed a little bit at the end. Yeah. And I will completely admit that. And then the other thing, the or, excuse me, the other person to talk about here is Andrew McDonald. It's like one of those very uh, rare instances where there's literally like five people involved <clears throat> behind the making of this film. Andrew McDonald's born in 66. He's a Scottish film producer and is best known for working with John Hodge and Danny Boyle. Um, he did Shallow Grave, Train Spotting the Beach, 28 Days Later. And then uh, together with Duncan Kenworthy, um, he's the founder of DNA Films, a production company, which did, did a lot of those movies. He did Parole Officer in 2001, 28 Days Later, Sunshine, 28 Weeks Later, 28 yeah. Months Later. Uh, and then um, he also produced Ex Machina, which mm. was Garland's directorial debut, all that. And he's also the brother of an Oscar-winning documentary maker named Kevin McDonald, which mm. I, I don't know who that is, uh, but I thought that was interesting. Yeah, these guys, uh, Boyle and, and McDonald, they work with the same actors <clears throat> a lot as well, so you mm-hmm. see... You'll see, uh, is it Nicholas or Christopher? Christopher Eccleston, I think. You see him show up in a lot of movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's the, he's the, he is the bad guy in this one. It, 20, right. uh, oh, no, no. In, in 28 Days Later, he's the bad uh, general. General or the, the captain or whatever. He's, yeah. he's, he's uh, you know what <clears throat> famous action movie villain he plays? I do. Oh, my God. What is it? Woods warm. It's like watching a baby. Yes, yes, exactly. Raymond, Raymond Kalitri. Kalitri. Yeah. Yes, yes. One, one of my, your brother Kip comes to me, so I ID'd him. Is Raymond Kalitri your favorite villain name? It's a really good it's a villain. really good one. Your job was to steal 50 cars, 5-0. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's great. He is he's, really good in that. And he's actually really good in 28 Days. Maybe I'll catch a Lakers game. I heard we got Shaquille. We got Shaquille. <laughs> Who calls him that? Uh, also, nobody calls them Lakers game. They say a Laker game. Laker game. Lakers game. Nick Cage was like... I'm gonna say I'm gonna say <laughs> he lives in LA. He's like that's the other thing. What the fuck, bro? That's the best, guys. So we're joking about it. Nick, Nick Cage in 28 Days Later. There's this great scene where he like leaves the diner and he sees uh, in uh, in in Gone in 60 Seconds. Yeah, sorry, not 28 Days Later. <laughs> Gone in 60 Seconds. And he leaves the diner and he sees Delroy Lindo and and Timothy Oliphant. And he's like, oh, he's like, what you doing in town, Reigns? And he's like, that's a good oh, Delroy you know, Lindo. And he's, and he's like, he's like. Oh, you know, I thought I'd catch a Lakers game. I heard we got Shaquille. I was like, like <laughs> nobody calls it Lakers, and nobody calls him Shaquille like, ever, ever. <laughs> but like, that's Nick Cage. That's what Nick Cage. Did. He probably it probably wasn't even written that way in the script. It probably says, "Gonna go see a Laker game and catch O'Neal," and he's like, "I'm gonna change this. Yeah, I'm gonna do this. I'm, I'm, not, gonna say, I'm not gonna say Shaq. Memphis Reigns wouldn't say Shaq. Wouldn't say Shaq. He'd say Shaquille. Wouldn't say Shaquille. He'd speak properly because <laughs> Memphis Reigns is a classy man. Yeah, <clears throat> a bad so, man." Critical box office. This is where this movie. This is what. This is what happened. Yeah. Um, Fox Searchlight produced it for thirty-two million dollars. It was released in July of two thousand seven. It grossed three point six million dollars mm. in the states, f- roughly two and a half months after it was released. Already in the UK, it was released in twentieth in UK, and it was released in um, in July and in, in, in uh, excuse me, it was released in April in the UK, and it was released in July here. Um, in the states, and it made no money. Three point six million dollars made twenty eight worldwide for a grand total of thirty two. It literally broke even, hmm. and it was number twenty five opening weekend. I didn't even write the twenty four ahead of it because it's ridiculous. Crazy, yeah, just bombed. Super no one hard. cared. Like, I mean, why this, would you? This is the cl- this is the classic example of a cult classic. This movie yep. is loved by all that love it, and no one knows about it if they don't know about it. It, it didn't. It, it's. I mean, a lot of the movies that we love are like that. Fight clubs like that. Like they, these movies that don't do very well. The Rock. And, yeah, you know. Oh, oh, oh! You're talking about at the box office. I think yeah. you're saying where they gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Like this movie. This movie definitely was not a thing when it came out. No. The only reason it was even kind of a thing was because it was a Danny Boyle movie, and he had done just a few years later. He had done Twenty Eight Days Later, and he had done a couple other. And people really- actually did, for some reason, like talk about the beach a lot. Yeah. For some reason, in the early 2000s, people talked about and the train spotting was a big deal. People liked Shallow people Grave. People love train spotting. I think his movies though before this were like he did that movie Millions. He did a Life Less Ordinary in the late 90s. 
I think there's maybe one other we're forgetting. I haven't seen any of those like bad movies. Millions any, is okay. Any of the movies that we haven't talked about, like yeah. the big ones, I haven't seen. It's weird. Um, <clears throat> 7.3 on IMDb, which seems yeah. right, you know. Uh, 76 by all critics, 67 by top, and a 73 by audience. I'm pretty sure that 67 is higher than Fight Club. So Fight Club was 63, Correct. or was it 67? Yeah, okay, yeah. 63, yeah. Weird. What? Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, how do you enjoy this movie more than Fight Club if you're a critic? Yeah, no idea. No freaking idea. Um, what's your What's your favorite line? My favorite line? You know, what's his name? Payne, whatever his name. Pinbacker pin has a lot of really sweet lines, but I think yeah. my, I, I, like, one of them in the film is, like, 80% of dust is just human skin yeah. cells or something, which is just kind of creepy. It's one of those weird ones. Um Oh yeah, it's at the end of time. A moment. We'll, I, don't, I can't remember his voice. Uh, I we'll come for seven years with God, and he told me to take you to heaven. Uh, yeah. Then the moment. Okay, yeah. So it's at the end of time. A moment will come when just one man remains. Then the moment will pass. Man will be gone. There will be nothing to show that we were ever here, but stardust. Yeah, is how he says the end. Of it. I love the way he says, "But stardust." Uh, I love that line. I think I think it's really cool. All the like plays on words with light. Is yeah, really cool. I really like the. Um... I mean, there's conversations that I really, really enjoy in this movie. So there's a whole conversation that they have about the decision that they decide to make when they're going to go to the ship, the distress beacon. Uh, and it's the way that that conversation happens where Chris Evans is sort of like, you're the qualified one to make that decision. Yeah. It's not you. Like, you don't get to do that. We all have jobs here. You know, like, you're smarter than I am. Like, that kind of, his approach. And, and that's something they do in all space movies, right? Everyone on the ship has their job, and you do not fuck with their job because they're the best in the world at that one thing. It's a chain of command. Here. Exactly. You were trained your whole life to do this job on this ship to save humanity. I'm not going to fucking tell you that I know how to do your job better than you. So if you say you are the most qualified person, you are the most qualified person. And you're going to do it. So I you like, better be damn sure. So that, the whole conversation yeah. there is really cool. <clears throat> I like that a lot. And I also really enjoy um, that, like, when Cap is recording his message uh, to, to his family. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, it's been a while. You know, and, like, I just, all that stuff is really, really cool. I love both of those sequences. Um, There's one more that I really liked. It was, um, <clears throat> I think it's another one from Pinbacker. And he says, uh, you and the darkness are distinct from each other because darkness is an absence of something. It's a vacuum, but total light envelops you. It becomes you. Yeah. Again, it's just like this obsession with the sun, like it's a drug, like was fascinating to me throughout. I love that like Cliff Curtis would just go stand in the sunroom or whatever. Yeah. Or the, what do they call it? The observatory or the observation room or whatever it is and just like stare at the sun and, and also like, what, turn what the dial. The, what do they call the like the, the like uh, the observation observation deck that's yeah what that's what it. i'm talking about what, yeah. what do they call the like environment room where you can change it to be like waves or you can change it to be like yeah, the jungle What's yeah that it's so i can't remember what it's called either but i also just like Simulator. love the amount of shield too that you like how much sun you yeah get in. and he yeah, always yeah. like turns it up one more really cool just so cool so um yeah those are probably my favorite lines yeah all right uh moving through we don't have any make questions because this was a little bit of a last minute ad we didn't get to actually post it yeah it's before pre-tape. this went up and it's a pre-tape mm-hmm. um so, we are going to get into the last bits of the show here, um, and that's going to be which action movie category does this film fit into? Um, you have three. Oh. Totally ridiculous, totally legitimate, and ridiculously legitimate. Um, what do you think? I'm curious what you have to say. I feel like I know what you're going to say. I say ridiculously legit. Yeah, in the middle, right? And it's because <clears throat> it's just because the last third. Yep. The last third totally. feels so like, this, is, this goes from being like a masterpiece to being like a really great movie. Because everything about it, even the way they pick him up and stuff is fine with me. I'm yeah. fine with him reactivating the distress beacon, living on that ship for years, going crazy, Having wanting to his, kill like, them arm all. Skin torn off. <clears throat> that part's. I'm cool gnarly. with all of it. I'm happy with it all. Yeah. It's just the way that it kind of turns into a slasher. 
like at least just make him a little bit less capable or yeah. like a, it less of like a of, a of a cat and mouse i don't know exactly what it is but i couldn't agree more and it gets so close to being good too because like it's, so it's such a great moment when they're talking <clears throat> to um icarus and they're like she's like there are five remaining and they're like no icarus that's wrong and he's dead she's yeah like, there are five remaining they're like Wait, what? Yeah. And you're like, oh, someone's on the ship? And you, f it's great. It's a great moment. That's a great moment. And then it literally falls off a cliff from that yeah, moment. Yeah, he just becomes like a psycho serial killer. And then, and then even the way it ends, like yeah. with the bomb going off and like the light and the beauty behind that, it's perfect. perfect. I know, I know. Yeah. The, the payload, it's like it's right there in the middle. They also do a great job with, um, in the beginning of this movie, the voiceover the of first talking like, minute. About, yeah. The way that it sets the stage. Yeah. You know, we are Earth's last best hope. Um, they just set the stage really well. It's, Again, it's literally like, if we're talking percentages, it's like 15% of the movie ruins the other 85. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it literally <clears> doesn't, <throat> it's not, it's not like it, and it doesn't ruin it in the sense of like, I don't enjoy the movie. I love this movie. It just tips slightly into ridiculous. It just goes exactly, instead of it being like yeah. one of the greatest of all time. Totally agree. I couldn't agree more. So there's just one last thing left to do, and that's called The Pitch. Wow. So guys, you're seeing this, it's a pre-tape, we're doing this, it's the middle of things, and, uh, we told you last week we're going to be like gone for two months. So, yeah, this so is a real thing. The first thing is happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we're not going to be here next week. You're gonna, we're going to take the holiday week off, same yep. as you should. You should enjoy eat lots of turkey or any other festival cer ceremonial <laughs> thing you want to do for Thanksgiving. Whatever your choice is, do it. Whatever it is that you do to celebrate Festivus. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, if you want to follow along with anything we're doing, patreon.com slash teamaction is a great place to do it. Andrew and I do extra content every week. We do behind-the-scenes schmodown reactions. There's a bunch of matches. Uh, I don't know when <clears throat> this is airing exactly in relation to those matches, but if you check there, we do behind-the-scenes reactions to the matches that we're in all the time, so yep. you can get, like, real stuff, real nuggets behind the scenes that you don't know about, as well as top fives, you know, Skype calls with our fans, things like that, so go check that out. Uh, we already mentioned our brand-new show. Yeah, the Action Guys on Collider Network, 3 p.m. Fridays, Pacific Standard. It, it's, um, a, it's, a, it's a podcast on the Movie Talk feed, as well as a, uh, a YouTube show on their podcast network on Collider, their YouTube network so yeah um and i think that's it right is that everything uh, do we want to announce that um <clears throat> yes i think that's a that's a thing so the week yeah. after thanksgiving we'll be back to cover creed 2 which is exciting uh i think drew's gonna be I'm gone, gonna be for gone. That one. i'm so freaking bummed that i'm gonna be gone but i did make it a point to to miss the being here for creed 2 but we will still be covering revenge of the sith together uh but yeah we're gonna have a guest in here for creed 2 i want to say tokyo is plus 13 so I'll be covering this at 3 in the morning for you. That's so crazy. So you won't be able to call in. I will not be able to call in or the live chat. Which is a shame. <laughs> it, is, it is a big shame. I, I cannot wait for Creed 2. Like, Drago coming back is just the coolest thing ever. Oh, yeah. Maybe we can get Dolph in here. I'll see and if we can get Dolph. Can I jump in? Because oh, you know how much I love Rocky. Oh, yeah. Oh, well. yeah. You excited? Oh, are you kidding me? Our, uh, the tickets for Creed 2 are already available. Oh, oh yeah? Yeah. She is, get she's em. got I've us. already got mine. She's got a leg get up em. on us. I love get it, Marissa. Em. Excited. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. Marissa, thank you so much for providing another year. Uh, we give thanks to you for, for being an incredible, incredible producer and engineer on this show. Absolutely. Uh, and to all of you guys, enjoy your holiday, and we'll be back, and we, we expect to give you awesome content for the rest of the year. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals. 